All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, so glad to have you all here. Uh, we still have our our average numbers here, and that's, that means that many people are keeping, or everyone's kind of keeping their commitment um, of just saying, these five days I'm going to be present. Uh, um, if Isaac or the Lord steps on my toes through Isaac, I won't be upset with Isaac. I'm still going to show up, and I'm going to still allow the Lord to speak to me. Listen, thank you for being here. I know many of you, again, are either uh, in route to work, you're preparing to go to work, or some of you, like me, you know, are prepared to go back to sleep as soon as devotion is over with. Um, and some of you, look, get out of the bed. At least open your eyes. Some of y'all still laying in the bed, just got the phone to your ear. At least you can do is sit erect, sit up, you know, and at least open your eyes because the Lord has something uh, to speak to you this morning. Um, I thank you again for being here, and I thank you for uh, your emails and just engaging me outside of this time. Um, we're in our fourth day of becoming a champion. You know by now, if this is your first time, I don't assume that you've read the book, and you don't have to read the book to be here, but this series is inspired by um, a book called Turning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. We enter into our Bible series um, this Sunday, uh, and it will go as long as the month of July. If the Lord continues to breathe and he says, keep on, we can actually stretch this because I think the Lord is really trying to do something in this series. And so please join us. Um, be with us. Uh, if you have the time, if you have the margin, uh, we'll be uh, looking at, at the text this Sunday. And I believe it's going to be a, a wonderful occasion. Uh, you know, just by way of review, uh, on day one, uh, we dealt with part-time champions. Uh, I told you um, yesterday and the day before that I have recorded each of these sessions, and so um, at the end of day five, I will upload these to my website so that you can go back and you can listen to the audio uh, for clarification or if you just want to extend your devotion. Uh, but day one, we talked about part-time champions, and we talked, you know, sometimes we're doing things well, and sometimes we are, we seem like we can't even get our life together, and we're looking at Elijah, and Elijah on one hand, um, it seemed like he was a champion at heart, it seemed like everything was well, you know, he would speak, he would speak life, and then the Bible said that the dew would, would stop and the rain stopped because he spoke and then he spoke again, and then he calls, after three years, he calls there to be rain uh, and dew in all the land. I mean, this guy was living in the wilderness on a, um, on a ravenous diet. The ravens would feed him. I mean, he got to a point where he was so confident uh, that he went out and he confronted, you know, 850 prophets and showed them that God is more powerful than their God. I mean, this guy was a champion at heart, but then turns around, the very first opportunity, the very first moment that he encountered conflict, it seemed like the amateur that was laying dormant in his life began to rear its head. And I told you that, that for some strange reason, conflict, the right conflict with the right person, the right people has the tendency to pull out the amateur in you. And so I talked about that many times we appear to be part-time champions. And, you know, a part-time champion wants the anointing, but they don't want to do the work. They want the position. They don't want the pressure. They, they want success, but they don't want to submit themselves to the process. Day two, we talked about the power of preseason. We talked about, you know, what you do now is connected to your next. And we talked about how Elisha, 
He was out in the field plowing faithfully. And I told you that an amateur will be out in the field plowing, but they'll be asking the question, how long do I need to be out here? When do I get to come in? When will I get to, when and how long before? But see, uh, an amateur is so preoccupied with being promoted but see, uh, you know, when you think about a champion, a, cha a champion will submit themselves to the process because they trust that God will handle the results. So what you do now, and I told you that champions, they are born in the preseason. You win your championship in the preseason, not in the postseason. And then yesterday we talked about a shadow calling. You know, and it, the thing significant to me on yesterday in that text was that we knew that eight years prior that God had told Elijah to go out and anoint Elisha to be the prophet, not a prophet, the prophet. Um, and eight years later, it showed me that he obviously didn't know that he was supposed to be the prophet because he asked Elijah, can I be your successor? You know, and so he had an opportunity. He could have remained a, a supporter of prophets. He could have remained in the background. He could have remained in that type of position. God wasn't going to force anything. But then I told you yesterday that sometimes you could be in the right profession but on the wrong level. And so we dealt with the shadow calling. That is the calling, the things that you do, everything you tend to do that, has, that, that is not your actual calling, what God is wanting you to do. And sometimes you can be in a situation longer than you need to, and that situation can become your shadow career. It can become your shadow calling. And I told you, even myself, yes, there was a period of time, there is a period of time where God has me as a singles pastor, but if I remain too comfortable, I can make this position become a shadow calling. Amen. But 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 I want to move, we want to get to day four, and I want to share with you just it, it's a very simple message. It's not complex. I don't have many points. I really just have one simple point today uh, that I want to share with you from the theme or from the subject or from the idea. Get out of the nest. That's what I want to share with you today, and it's just one simple point, and I want to pray with you before we enter into um, this text um, this morning. Lord, I'm praying that you bless your people right now, everyone who is under the sound of my voice, God. I am praying that you reveal to them the areas in their lives, in our lives, in my life, that we know we are amateurs, the, the, the lies that we're telling ourselves, the things that we're trying to cover. Lord, reveal it to us, and don't just reveal the things to us. Help us, God, to do what is necessary to actually follow through. Lord, we need follow through. We need discipline. Lord, help us today. Help us throughout this series. Help us right now, God, to be able to become who you have called us to become. Lord, we thank you. Lord, there's some things, there's some people trying to keep us in amateur mode. And, Lord, we need to release those things. We need to release those people, God, so that we can actually be able to embrace the champion spirit that you have already sowed inside of our lives. Lord, we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so in 2 Kings chapter 2, we go back to the same passage. We go back to the same characters. In 2 Kings chapter 2, 
verse 7. I pick up from verse 7 because yesterday we, we began to read how uh, Elijah was going from place to place, and he was trying to encourage Elisha to stay here while I go over here and handle some business. But Elisha kept saying, no, no, God told me I needed to support you and to be with you, and despite whatever you say, I'm going to be with you until the day I die, until the Lord says otherwise. And so after that happened, Elijah realized it was time. Elijah realized that, you know what? This, I understand he's going to be with me. And so the Bible, it picks up where he, he got ready to go over to the Jordan River. And I want to pick up somewhere where we left off. And it picks up in verse 7. It says, 50 men from the group of prophets. We can actually stop right there. But it says 50 men from the group of prophets. Why? Because there was a group of prophets that was following them. There was a group of prophets that I imagine it was more than 50, but there were 50 specifically who um, began to watch them. But there was a group of prophets who watched everything that was taking place, who was following them, and who was observing everything that was happening right now. 50 men from the group of prophets also went, and they watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Fifty men from the group of prophets, they watched from a distance. Then Elijah folded his cloak together. The Bible says it teaches us that he folded his jacket, he folded his coat so that it became a staff, staff similar to the staff that Moses used when he crossed, you know, the, the, uh, the, the Red Sea. And so it said, then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. I want to become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken away from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. The Bible says it drove between the two men, separating them. I would tell you to say separating, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a, whirl, a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I have seen the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. In distress. He knew it was coming, but he tore his clothes in distress. He's about to either walk in his destiny or not, but he's now either afraid, he's now Filled with stress, he, he, he now ha has stress on his heart and his mind. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where in the world is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. Then I like this last verse. It says, when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance, the writer of this particular text wants to remind us that there is a group of prophets watching, and these group of prophets are watching from a distance. 
And so it says, when the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rest upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Get out of the nest. You have to be careful because there are some people around you who don't want to be a champion. I didn't say they don't want to, they don't like the idea of a champion. I didn't say that they don't want to support a champion, but there's some people on your team, in your circle, around you who would much prefer to watch champions at a distance, watch champions play from the sidelines than to actually uh, make the necessary sacrifices needed in order to be the champion who is actually playing in the game. I'm saying there are some people around you who would much rather watch champions than to be the actual champion in the game actually playing. There's some people who would much rather watch from a distance. We have a lot of people who are like the group of prophets in this text. They watch from a distance. But my question to you this morning is this. Are you one of those people on the sidelines busy watching someone else do what you know you have the ability to do your own self? I'm going to say it again. Are you actually one of those people like the people of the group of prophets? Are you actually one of those people who are on the sideline busy watching other people do what you know God has already imputed on the inside of you yourself? When we look at this text, Elisha had been doing menial work for Elijah for about eight years. I mean, he had job security. His job was secure. He had a 401k. He had at least three weeks of vacation each year. He got to travel while on his job. But eventually God decided it was time for Elisha to learn how to fly. So he, the Bible says he separated. The chariot drove between the two men, separating them, because sometimes God will have to cut the umbilical cord to the things in your life, the people in your life that make you comfortable when it's time for you to shift. When it's time for you to shift, sometimes God will... He will cut the umbilical cord to the people and the things in your life who make you the most comfortable. It was a pivotal moment in, 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 in this text. It was a pivotal moment in Elias' life. Either he was, going to, he, had, he was going to do two things. Either he was going to blend in with the other prophets around him, or he was going to stand out and be the leader that God had ordained him to be. One of the two things was going to happen. At this moment, Either he was going to blend in with those people around him or he was actually going to stand out. The most important movement in this text, this is why I say I only got one thing to share with you. The most important movement in this text is one thing. The Bible said Elisha picked up the cloak. He picked up Elijah's cloak. It's one thing to pray about something. It's one thing to talk about what you know you need to do. It's one thing to know who you're supposed to become, but it's another thing to take the necessary step to actually becoming and achieving what you know you're supposed to be doing. He was anointed to become the prophet eight years prior. But Elisha had to first pick up the cloak before he could actually experience the manifestations of God's promise in his life. God will not force destiny in your life. Nothing in your life will change until you decide to pick up the proverbial cloak in your life. I'm saying when we look at this text, no river is going to, to move aside. No miracle is going to take place until he decides that he's going to pick up the cloak. And I'm saying the cloak laid right there. He didn't have to pick it up, but he asked for it. 
He knew that he was actually heading in this direction because he saw the chariots and the charioteers, but nothing is going to change until he decides to actually bend down and to pick up and to hold in his hands the very thing that he was supposed to. I am saying there are a lot of people, even on this line, a lot I'm right now that, that there is a proverbial cloak in front of you and something is not going to change until you say, you know what? I'm going to pick up this cloak because I have something that God needs me to do. You can't be afraid to take that step. Becoming a champion is a decision. If you leave here with nothing else this morning, you understand that becoming a champion is a decision. He made a decision that he was going to pick up the cloak because he can he can walk walk with the prophet, he can support the prophet, he can pray with the prophet, he can see the miracles that the prophet does, but none of that matters until he actually says, you know what, it's time for me to fly. I have to pick up the cloak. It is said that when you are born, you look like your parents. But when you die, you look like your decisions. You are one decision away from your wildest dreams. You are one decision away from your harvest. You can't pick up the cloak and remain in the comfort of your nest at the same time. You can't have both of them. Think, talking about nests, talking about nests, eagles are very, are very intriguing species of birds. They build the biggest nest of all of the birds. It's huge, it's comfortable, and it's very deep. The adult eagle, what I like, the adult eagle makes its nest in high places, on cliffs and in tall trees. And in fact, what I found more interesting is that, that is how the adult eagle usually cultivates the eaglets, the baby eagles. For many weeks, the eagle will bring food to the nest for the babies to eat, and they become comfortable because they got, they got the food that, they're, that, they're, that the adult eagle is bringing them so that they can finally eat. But then it comes a time when the adult eagle deems it's time for the baby eagles to learn how to fly because they're comfortable. They know the mother eagle. They know the adult eagle is bringing them food. They're comfortable in their nest. They're protected, and they're waiting on their food. But then there comes a time when the, when the adult eagle says, it's time for the children to fly. It's time for the eaglets to fly. And then what happens is this, this, this adult eagle begins to make things uncomfortable. The first thing she does is she stops bringing food to the eagles. So what she would do is she, she, would, she, would, she would have food in her beak. But then she would fly around because they hadn't had food in a while. And so what she will do, she will finally go and get food, and then she will hover around the nest, and she would have, you know, food inside of her beak, but she would never get inside the nest. And so what she's doing is she's tempting the eaglets who are now hungry. She's forcing them to either fly out their nest so that they can reach for the food because they are hungry because the mother hadn't fed them, and she's trying to get them to leave the comfort zone of their nest so they can actually begin to fly because they are hungry. What are you saying? You have to be careful when you get comfortable. Because when you get comfortable, you have the tendency to stay too long. Even the eagle knows that I have to make my eaglets uncomfortable because as long as they're comfortable, they don't have a desire to fly. 
And so when you are comfortable, you run the risk of overstaying in a situation past your season. It's easy to stop dreaming when your belly is full. When you're full, you don't feel like you need to fly. And when I think about my own life, it's when I was my most comfortable, that's when I was furthest away from my purpose. I was not flying. But sometimes God will put you in a situation that makes you uncomfortable, so you actually have to get out of the nest. When we look at Elijah, when we look at Elijah, he had been comfortable for long enough. And then God is the one decided to say, you know what, it's time for Elisha to fly. And so what I have to do is I have to separate him from Elijah. And now I actually have to put him in a situation where he's so uncomfortable that he's either going to fly or he's going to fall. And I'm talking to some people here today that God will have to make you uncomfortable. God, sometimes it feels like you are starving for something, but you have to be hungry enough, you have to be uncomfortable enough to be able to get out of the nest because you either your nest is going to be a place of comfort, it's going to be a place where you're going to be nourished, or it's going to become a prison. And I'm simply asking, I'm simply pleading with you this morning. In order for you to become the champion that God has ordained you to become, you actually have to get out of the nest. There's a cloak. When you get up, you're trying to avoid it, but there's a cloak right there that you need to pick up. And until you pick up that cloak, whatever that cloak is, your cloak is different from my cloak, but you know what the cloak is, and you're avoiding picking up the very thing that is a connection to your next season. But you got to get hungry enough. you got to be hungry enough. you got to be uncomfortable enough before you begin to get out of your nest. But some of us have been in our nest for too long. And my challenge to you today is, what is it that you're so comfortable with that you know you need to begin to be uncomfortable? What situation in your life is so uncomfortable that it feels like you're starving for what you need? You need to get out of the nest. It's my prayer that God blesses you today, that God keeps you, that God speaks to you, that God allows you to look at this text and God reveals to you the ways in which you need to become who he has called you to become. What is your cloak? Ask, if you don't know what your cloak is, ask God to reveal to you what is that thing that you know you need to pick up? What is that step that you know you need to take so you can become the people that or the person that God has called you to become. Have a wonderful day. May God keep you. May God bless you. I will hear from you tomorrow on day five as um, we talk from the subject, what is actually holding you back? Join me tomorrow for our last day. Have a wonderful day.